0: Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. When you think about what the Lord is like, what do you think of? In Psalm 23, David begins by telling us, the Lord is my shepherd. In that imagery, David and all God's people were the Lord's sheep. However, as we move to the end of the psalm, David gives us the image of the Lord as being a host, and his people are the Lord's guests. In fact, we are even told that the Lord pursues his people. All of this leads us to the amazing conclusion that the Lord constantly protects us and provides for us on all fronts, even when we wander away. Let's join Pastor Jim in part one of his message, The Shepherd Who Pursues His People.
1: Let's read verses 1 through 4 where we've already been. Psalm 23, a psalm of David, uh, who we said uh, grew up as a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. So the first four verses basically laid out like this. It's the imagery is as God as a shepherd and David as one of his sheep. Although David was a shepherd boy growing up, he realized when he was shepherding, wow, this is how God deals with his people. And the overall impression of the psalm was that it is a time of danger and sheep, which would be David and the Lord's people, are vulnerable to attack. In verses 1 through 3 we were told how the shepherd provided for the needs of the sheep. He provided food, he provided refreshment, he ref- he provided rest. In verse four last week, we looked at how the shepherd protected the sheep, how he guided the sheep through what was called the valley of the shadow of death, or uh, some versions would translate that uh, the darkest valley. Tonight we come to verse five and six. Again, uh, very familiar to many of us, especially I would say verse uh, six. Verse five says, "'You prepare a table before me "'in the presence of my enemies.'" You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. A lot of versions say pursues me. I think that's a way better word personally. Uh, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And as I said, week one, this was the song I sang to my dad when I was with him, when he was going home to be with the Lord and that I could barely get verse six over my lips. You know, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, most Bible scholars tell us that the metaphor makes a shift here from the Lord as a shepherd to the Lord as a host, and David is the guest. So the shepherd is the host and the sheep is the guest, and I find the words describing God's movements or the shepherd's movements uh, to be quite interesting. In verse two and three, we're told, he leads me. He leads me. Verse four, we were told, David said, you are with me. Verse five, he says, you prepare a table before me. And verse six, he says, goodness and mercy shall follow me or pursue me. In other words, David's telling us that the Lord covers his people on all sides. You don't have to worry, is he, where is he? Is he here, is he there? Is that you are covered on all sides, it is the full dedication of the Lord to his people, and so the title of our message tonight is The Shepherd Who Pursues His People. So let's look at verse five again. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Some of your versions say my cup overflows. So. I know we kind of picture the you know nice banquet or you Down Abbey fans or something like that. You kind of picture this thing with this beautiful banquet. But I want to just take it back to the sheep metaphor just for a minute, maybe make it a little bit more comical for a second. Uh, a funny picture in my mind was uh, the shepherd comes into the banquet tent and he says, he sees the enemies of the sheep and he invites David the sheep to come in. So he sits down the sheep as the guest of honor in the tent with his enemies. And it reminds me that the Lord not only can be with his people, but of the individual attention that he can give to each sheep, each member of the flock you know they actually say that between a shepherd and the sheep they they name them all they know them all by names they when they hear their name that they're actually called and so they're going to receive this individual attention from the shepherd from the lord so first off notice that the lord prepares a table. Now we do know that when a shepherd would take the flock to a new area, what they would do was they'd have to one of the shepherds would have to stay with the sheep, you know, they're not the smartest of animals. And they would kind of clear the field so they wouldn't be eating all kinds of junky plants and weeds and be looking out for other things like that. And so they would clear it and make it a nice place for them uh, to graze. But here, it's not just the grasp of the past the grass of the pasture, it's a table of abundant food and abundant drink so it's not like this cheesy kind of snack or something like that I mean he walks in and he's like oh my goodness look what has been prepared like who's the guest of honor and and the, the Lord is like it's you it's you you're the you're the guest of honor and so the idea is it's a banquet it's a celebration, perhaps celebrating the fact that the sheep survived what we talked about last week, the valley of the shadow of death. They were happy that they made it out of the, the you know, going through those passes and the, through the cave, by the caves and by the rocks, and they escaped from the predators. Now, let's just forget the sheep sitting at the table just for a second. Let's bring it into David's world and into our world for a minute And let's bring it into the world of fear, of fear. Remember we said sheep scare easy. We said that David was always constantly under attack from various types of enemies, so there was a lot to be fearful of. And many of us are fearful by nature. I wouldn't consider myself to be one of those people, but I got to tell you something. These days, I'm keeping my distance from people. I'm not, you know, I see somebody and I'm like, I'm not getting too close to you. So there's, there's a lot of fear that is in the, in the air. And verse four, I think, made it clear to us the answer to fear, and that's not throwing common sense out the window. The, that, that's tempting God, that's presuming upon God. But the answer to our fear and a way to calm anxiety is to experience the close presence of the Lord. And a lot of the different ways that David described the Lord being with us and around us and leading us and following us really give us that idea of his close presence. And as we said last week, the problem with a lot of fears is this, that many of those fears are in our head. But here we're told in verse five that he's in the presence of his enemies. This is not in his head. This is a literal enemy. So God is the host here of the banquet who protects his people from their enemies. But very interesting, he can also satisfy you in the midst of your enemies. So David's in the midst of his enemies but his relationship with God is not merely just surviving but it's actually thriving. He's actually experiencing what it means to be in the Lord and to be protected by the Lord and so even in this danger his faith is growing. We could say the faithful following of the Lord in verses one through four has what has now turned into the calm of verse five. And think about the picture for a minute. It's really, it's really quite amazing. Imagine the Lord comes in and he plops you in the pre, down in the presence of your enemies and he is standing there. How would you feel? Would you feel Calm? Now, I was thinking about this myself and, and I was, you know, every night on my way drive home, I, I passed two diners and, you know, I miss going to the diner. Miss Pam and I are going, let's, let's go to the diner, right? Or, or maybe after church with friends or something like that. And, and so just picture yourself at the diner and let's not think about enemies, but let's just say you're sitting in a chair uh, in a booth. And the guy in back of you, whether it's some kid who's jumping or somebody who's you know much heavier than you or something like that, and they're kind of bouncing around their booth. And you know how they're shaking you, and and or you're in a restaurant and the people next to you, they're just loud talkers. It's like you're like, I can't, you know, I my wife has a has a nice low voice and I don't always hear the best, and and she says that's because you're not listening. But that's another story for another day. But but. Like, like some other people in the booth next to you, they're just loud. And, you, and the whole place is looking at them like, we can all hear what you're saying and we're really not that interested in it. And, and what is the thing, what am I getting at here? We are very easily distracted whether it's the kid bouncing in the seat in back of you, I always got to play, I always ruin it for the people sitting across from me because I got to play with the kid, you know, make faces at him and then he start playing hide and seek with him and stuff like that. Or, or the people who are talking loud next to you, we're easily distracted, but not here. Even with his enemies right there at the table with him, David is calm. David has the joy of the Lord. He is not distracted that leads to a very soul searching question. If the Lord can do that in the presence of our enemies, can he always do it? I mean, if he can really give us a peace in the midst of real danger, can he give us a peace in all times of our lives? The scene here is very interesting. I mean, just picture you come in and it's all your enemies. You're just like, uh, gobble your food down and let's get out of here, <laughs> right? Or or you're like, you know, I gotta I got go somewhere. Can I take it to go? But that's not the scene here at all. The scene here is David comes in. He's in the midst of his enemies. It's not hurry up and eat. It's sit and relax. Why? The Lord wants to show us that he wants us to trust him with the external pressures of our lives. He wants us to trust him when it seems like we're in a very, very difficult situation. Next, David says, you anoint my head with oil. Now to us, We're like, that doesn't seem really good unless you're thinking of like some essential oils or something like that, but then you don't use that much. But this would be done, it's a custom to to welcome and honor a guest. So it would be uh, a welcomed and refreshing gesture of hospitality. It would be one of the ways that you would make a guest feel comfortable. So you're like, I don't get it. Well, just imagine that you've been wearing sandals and you've been walking you know, through mountains and through these, these paths and, and up and down hills and on dirt roads and all that and, and you've been doing it all day and it now comes to the end of the day, you arrive at somebody's house that you're going to be staying with and the oil will just soothe your dry and cracked skin and you're like, wow, this is, this is wonderful. It, it will it will you know, soothe your chapped lips. He says, you anoint my head. Your, your scalp would be all sunburned. You know what that is like? You have like a, if you have a part in your head or, you know, my friends that don't have, that shave their heads, they're just like, man, you gotta be really careful out there with that because you can really get a nasty sunburn. Um, it, would, it would soothe your weary feet which would just, you know how it is when you just like your feet, you put your feet, dip your feet in a pool or something like that when it's really hot, something like that. And so that long, hot, dry, and dirty trip would be quite taxing on someone and oil would help the guest to relax. Really, the oil coming in, sitting at the banquet, being made to feel comfortable would make you feel how? would make you feel at home. It's one of the things I miss about church here is is when the kids would come up to me and they would say, "Uh, Pastor Jim, am I allowed to get something out of the uh, refrigerator? And I always go, is this your church? And they go, yeah, this is my church. I go, then you can get something out of the refrigerator. And before they run away, I grab them by the ear. No, I really don't grab them by the ear. But I'll say, but if this is your church, then we can ask you to help clean up, you know, So, so we want people to feel at home, but part of being at home is you you do clean up, but none of that is here. And finally, at the end of verse five, he says, my cup runs over again. Some verses say my cup overflows, presumably of wine and, and wine represents joy in the word of God. So here's this guy in the tent with the enemies. Just picture the sheep sitting with the wolves and he's like, man, this is great. This is great. And he's not being stupid. He's not being gullible. He's there because the Lord is with him. And certainly this would be for him a relaxing time of fellowship with the Lord, something all followers of Jesus can enjoy. Just that sweet time of, of fellowship with God. I was I was reading the beginning of the book of Acts and yesterday morning, it really hit me. I mean, really hit me. I was like, that would have been so cool to have been there. Like they're they're speaking in tongues and the people were understanding them and they're like, what is going on here? The old expression is if you can explain it, then the Lord didn't do it. And so I was thinking, man, that would be like so awesome to be there, just to have that great joy. And so, and it was a time for me of, of what I would call fellowship with God and, and begging him to do that again in our world, in our corner of, of New Jersey, in, in our world, in our country. And so it's something that all followers of Jesus can enjoy. And think of it for a second, if we're polite, we do the same thing. Somebody comes to your house and you say, Let me take your coat. Uh, Would you like to use the bathroom? Can I get you a drink? Sit, relax. Don't, you know, there's nothing for you to do. There's nothing for you to do. Make yourself at home. Imagine God saying that to you. And here, it's not like, Oh, well, you know, I don't want to eat the last chip or I don't want to take the last of those little hot dogs or whatever, you know, maybe his appetizers or something like that. Here, there's no scarcity. It's a banquet of blessings and and it's a picture of the satisfaction of resting in the Lord. A picture of fellowshipping with God. And the picture of the the cup running over really, I believe, is of the joyful Christian life and a wonderful supply of joy. I remember when I first became a Christian, I I was visiting somewhere. I don't even remember exactly where I was. And in their bathroom, they had a book. And so I picked it up, and it said, The Joyful Christian by C.S. Lewis. And it was a collection of writings, and I don't know who C.S. Lewis was. I know anything about it. I, I think the people thought I died in the bathroom. I was just reading and reading and reading and thinking, oh my goodness. This is such a wonderful, wonderful thing that that I can sit and enjoy and feed upon the wonderful supply of God's joy. So let me ask you, friend, tonight, if your cup doesn't overflow, maybe it leaks, maybe it's cracked, maybe you think it's too dirty to drink out of and you need to ask God to forgive you of something, ask the Lord tonight, if he would help you to overflow with his joy. Now, here's the pushback. Are you ready? Here it comes. But I have problems. I have problems. Well, this whole psalm is about a guy with problems. And so the answer is, is that the Christian life doesn't promise to remove all of your problems. If anybody's told you that, and you think, it's not working for me, I'm sorry that they didn't tell you the truth. Maybe that somebody else told them that, and they were just passing along the bad information. The Christian life doesn't promise that you're not gonna have any trouble. It doesn't promise that you're not gonna have any pain. It promises that the Lord is your shepherd, and he will be with you. And so you may even have legit enemies. So the challenge is to look out for the Lord preparing a table for you. What do I mean by that? To to be very conscious in your life of what we sometimes call evidences of grace, of just certain little evidences that God hasn't forgotten you, that he remembers you, and be on the lookout for such things. Perhaps we have to go back to, if we're having trouble with that, thinking about our mind again. You see, for most of us or many of us, even you might say some days all of us, the mind is probably our biggest enemy because it's an enemy that brings fear and guilt and anxiety, shame, anger, paranoia, I could go on and on. You could probably add a lot more words to the discussion, too. So, you know, go ahead, and think of a few different words and jot them down or something like that if it's maybe what you're going through. But all of those things, when they're just, that's what our mind is full of, makes it very hard to experience the presence of God because our mind is racing, makes it very hard to experience the Lord. Yet the Lord is very, very faithful to continue to send blessings our way, I had a video conference uh, today with one of my doctors, and for my neurological condition, he's, he's uh, he travels all over the world. All that's on hold. He's extremely well known, and I've been going to him for years. And he pops on the screen. He's like, Jim, how are you? So I start telling him how I feel. They go, feel. He goes, no, 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 we're friends. How you doing, man? What's going on? How's life? How, how's, how's, how's everything? Like he, he knows I'm married. He knows I got kids. He knows I'm a pastor. So we're just, we're just talking about that stuff. And I was like, you know, that's a real blessing. That was a real blessing to have him ask me for that. Because right now in this age that we live in, you don't have a lot of people asking you how you're doing. And so that was, a, that was a real blessing to have that. And so sometimes we have to be on the lookout for blessings because they often come through people. But a lot of times, if our mind is full of that other stuff, we discount what they say. We, we, we discount the blessing that God sends our way or we completely miss the blessing because our mind is full of fear, or our mind is full of lies. Well, well, how do we fight this? Well, prayer and the word of God, yes. Preaching to ourselves instead of listening to ourselves, yes. But I think it's also being constantly on the lookout for the evidences of grace, or sometimes we call them grace markers, or this is in the book of Acts, and the word of the Lord went forward. I'm like, that's a grace marker we look for those grace markers, or we change our mindset. We are looking to be serving instead of to be served. Instead of waiting for someone to reach out to us, we reach out to others. That takes us to the last verse, verse six, he says, surely goodness and mercy, that's that great word, said, hesed, hesed, or some versions say loving kindness. Some versions say faithful love. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Again, other versions say pursue me. I think it's a better word. I'll tell you why in a minute. All the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David looks ahead. To the future. In the past, he had been pursued by his enemies, but now he says, I'm being pursued by the Lord. Now that doesn't mean the Lord wasn't always pursuing him, but now he's fully well aware of it. And many of us who are like me, later life converts, we will speak of that. We will, we will speak of the fact that that was really what our coming to faith experience was like. It was like we were being pursued. We were being hunted down. Sometimes we refer to the Holy Spirit as the hound dog of heaven. The old preachers used to call him the hound dog of heaven. We were being pursued by God. We couldn't get away. You know, you're just like, you're like, oh, I gotta get away from God. I gotta get away from God. And you know you go get gas and the guy's like, oh, God bless you. You you go get a cup of coffee. Oh, God bless you. Why is everybody blessing me? Stop. Remember, I I got on a plane and I I headed down to the Virgin Islands and I, I sat at a pool and I looked out over the ocean and all of a sudden I was like, oh, he's here too. Knowing that he is pursuing you.
0: Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love brings you the great hope of the gospel to equip you to reach others with this transforming message. In a world filled with fear and mistrust, Pastor Jim provides the path to freedom in a clear and transparent style. Changed by Love needs your help to reach thousands, including your friends and neighbors. Find out the ways you can team financially with Changed by Love by visiting our website at changedbyloveradio.org or call 862-217-9686. Pastor Jim would love to hear your story and how Changed by Love has impacted your life or someone you know. Your encouragement goes a long way. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.